blew me off for a bottle of tequila. Tequila's no good for you. Doesn't call, doesn't write. It's not nearly as much fun to wake up to. Hi, I'm Ayla. Hi, I'm Tamsin, and welcome to Scalpels and Tequila. Uh, a little quick note before we get into today's episode, I just want to do a little shout out. Uh, this morning we got some really lovely feedback from an American listener and it has just made our day. Absolutely, we're recording this at 10am and I just don't know how it could get any better from here. Yeah, thank you so much for reaching out, we really appreciate it. Apparently we say things and about America that are entertaining for actual Americans because we might get some things wrong. Cheers to the States. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, but we'll get into it now. Today's episode is season one, episode six, If Tomorrow Never Comes. Derek, if tomorrow never comes. You sang the last one, so I was going to have a go. I don't know this one. You don't know this song? <laughs> Derek picks Meredith to assist in surgery on a patient with Parkinson's disease. Bailey thinks he's showing favoritism. Alex befriends a patient who has a very large tumour. Christina and George help in a long and difficult surgery. Izzy is left in charge of all of the post-op patients and has to perform a dangerous procedure on her own. Burke wants to define his and Christina's relationship. So the theme of this episode is pretty evident, as the episode is called If Tomorrow Never Comes, and then in Meredith's monologue, it opens with her saying, A couple of hundred years ago, Benjamin Franklin shared with the world the secret of his success. Never leave that till tomorrow, he said, which you can do today. She goes on to query why we put things off, why we procrastinate. And she says, I think it has a lot to do with fear, failure, pain, or rejection. And that's kind of the themes of everything that goes on in this episode. It's procrastination. It's putting things off. It's waiting till the last possible second, which I know I am really good at procrastinating. It's definitely one of my kind of more toxic traits, I would say. Do you procrastinate, Ayla? I have ADHD. It's, it's, it's my lifestyle. It's, I don't think I know anything that's not. I'll get really, 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 really invested in something for the first couple of weeks or so, and I'll get it 90% done. And then mm. just it ceases to exist in my life, which is why I'm very proud of myself that we've maintained this for over two months. Yay. <laughs> I really resonate with the idea that you put things off because of these things, fear, failure, pain, rejection. I feel like failure is my big one. I feel like I always put things off because I feel like I'm going to do it badly or. Oh yeah. It's like, why, why bother starting when you know, it's just going to fail anyway. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely that's exactly how I, feel. I think that's one of the reasons why we didn't do this two years ago when we first met. You just get to a point sometimes and you go, okay, fuck it. it ha I have to do it. If I'm going to do it, I have to do it now. Whereas, yeah, it would be nice not to procrastinate all the time. This episode, the two main patients that we really get to know, this idea of leaving things to the last minute and procrastinating is, is really evident in their stories and it affects all of our characters this episode. Yeah, it, it really does. So um, we're noticing a trend in season one where we seem to have around three patients per episode. So we have two main patients in this episode and we have sort of a, a side patient who comes back later. But all of our characters' uh, development re revolves around uh, their interactions with these patients. 
So our two main patients in this episode are Edward Levangie, who has Parkinson's disease, Annie Connors, who is definitely our, our main patient. Everyone interacts with her. She has a gigantic 60-pound tumor on the side of her chest. Uh, and we do see a little bit of Jimmy Harper, and we'll probably come back to him a little bit later because you sort of see him at the start and then nothing happens and then everything happens. <laughs> But this episode, I do want to mention, it opens with Meredith snoozing her alarm clock multiple times as her monologue is read over the top of this scene, which is, you know, a pretty in-your-face way of showing this idea of procrastination and putting things off. And then George is going to, well, has the good intention of going to ask Meredith out, but he doesn't quite get it and just keeps getting teased by Izzy. He's so painful to watch. Waddling up with two cups of coffee like a child. <laughs> but you know how little kids, like, when they're carrying mugs, it's like, okay, two, ha- two hands. Yeah, he. it's awkward and hard to watch. And Izzy teasing George in this scene is so great. It's so real and it's so lovable and she's so happy and cute. I really love Izzy this episode. She's just like... Pat, pat. (laughs) Good job. Nice try. And then Meredith and Derek bump into each other in the parking lot and have a very um, odd conversation. I just want to flash back to last episode because Tamsin does all the editing and then I get Mm. to listen to it. So I listened to last week's episode yesterday. And I've got to say, him, what, what they did in the car does not sit well with me. She was absolutely wasted. And he was sober as a judge. Yeah. And I have not stopped thinking about it since that episode. And this is after him pressuring her and pressuring her and pressuring her. I mean, it just goes back to this theme of, like, Derek, leave her alone. I mean, the story does go that she likes him. But, mm-hmm. I mean, all she does is say no to him. All she does is say Let's keep it professional. She doesn't want to be in this relationship. So they have a chat in the parking lot. And Derek's like, oh, you're you're avoiding me. You're avoiding me. She's like, yeah, I'm late. Yeah. I'm avoiding you. I have to go. I'm late. You're a sexual predator. Leave me alone. He actually, she says it's this is bad because Bailey's not speaking to her. And Derek says that's not necessarily a bad thing in terms of Bailey not speaking to Meredith. Mm-hmm. I think that's so wrong for him to say. Like, Bailey is her boss. It's definitely a bad thing that she's not speaking yeah. to her. It's going to affect her education. It's going to affect her standing at the hospital. It's affecting her, like, professionalism. Derek says to her, if I was a better guy, I would walk away. And it's like, Derek, be a better guy. Just be better. Derek shouldn't be condoning this. You've been basically stalking this woman, aggressively sexually harassing her for the whole start of her internship year, and then you take advantage of her when she's drunk. Be better. And now you want to sit down and have a discussion about how the two of you are going to handle Bailey and acknowledge the fact that you're a shit dude. And Mare sets boundaries again. It's so hard re-watching this now, being older, because mm-hmm. you do notice all that stuff, and it just sits so yeah, uneasy in the society we live in today where this is such a big deal and the Me Too movement has come through, like, about sexual harassment in the workplace and it feels really icky to rewatch. 
And it's it's hard because... We love this show so much. Yeah. But and if we're trying to convince younger viewers to watch it from the start, they're going to be like, girl, you have some opinions. Exactly. All the Gen Zers are going to be like, fuck this show. Mm-hmm. But... But I think they need to take it a reflection on how far we have come as a society. That's so And what true. their impact on society has done, because I am so proud of all of them. Yeah, that's so true. Um, So she's running late. And then we see Christina and Bert Also running late. Getting dressed after a little dalliance in an on-call room also running it's late. It's not an on-call room. They're in a lab. There's, like, testing shit everywhere. Oh, I was trying to figure out what it was. I actually paused it and looked around and I was like, just must be a really cluttered on-call room. You're right. <gasps> what kind of chemicals are you getting in your no-no area? Oh, what kind of stuff are you getting in your chemicals? <laughs> <laughs> you laughed harder at that than I was expecting you to. I didn't think that was very funny, I'm but just- thank you. <laughs> anywho so we don't know (sighs) it's just gonna happen i've just got to live with it don't i so yeah they're pulling up their pants they're running out and and burke has this puppy dog eyes and he's like can we have a discussion about this and she's like i'm late bro thanks for that pops out and has this really interesting chat with meredith uh because they both rock up at the same time and they're getting changed in the changing room um and Christina has this big monologue that really looks like it's aimed at Meredith, but it is quite obviously. It is everything that she's feeling, mm-hmm. definitely. It's like, no, you won't get fired, but you'll get ostracized, you'll get blacklisted, you'll get kicked out of Edged the out. OR. Yeah. And you can tell that she's just running through all the situations in her head because she's also sleeping with an attending. And she obviously can't tell Meredith about it because she's been giving Meredith so much shit. Mm-hmm. And also Christina just isn't the type to talk too much about her personal life. So um, so they join on with the rest of the pack and Bailey walks them to their patient's room saying no one tells them not to throw up, laugh, stare or make a comment. And again, I'm thrown back to the like, why are you treating your interns so inappropriately? You could have said... Hey team, so today we're going to be visiting a patient who has a really, really large tumor. So this is where all of our sensitivity training is going to come in hand. Please make sure to keep your faces as calm as you can. But then that ruins all the drama. Yeah, because that's not going to give, yeah, that's not going to be good for TV because then we don't get the reveal. But yes, I'm sure that's what they actually do in real life. And then we find out that... I'm just way too obsessed with human resources. And then we find out that Alex has been there you know, creating a friendship with this patient. He came in in the wee hours of the morning, met this patient when she arrived Mm -hmm. and has really built up this really amazing rapport. And we see this side of Alex that's really genuine, really sincere and really lovely. I found it quite smarmy. I think it feels smarmy because of the Alex that we've met already and because of what we see later. But I think if you hadn't seen the show before and you're coming into this with fresh eyes, it's really genuine. And to be honest, my thoughts on it is that he is really genuine because we know now that Alex does have a really good heart. He just puts on a lot of masks to cover his emotions. You know, this toxic masculinity thing. He tries to act all, act all bro Which was rife in the early thousands. Totally. That's when the term metro was around. We don't really use metrosexual anymore. No. It feels very unpleasant. Yes. Um. But we find out from this patient that she has this massive tumor on her side uh, and that she's been housebound for a year uh, living with her mother. 
Uh, and Derek and Burke are involved. She's never been to the hospital, which is this idea of procrastination. She's been putting off going to get anyone to look at this tumour because she's afraid of hospitals. But we get to Yeah. That. Um, so we've got Derek, Burke and Bailey who are all going to be operating on her. It was really funny. I was watching this and I was like, why isn't the chief there? This seems like something the chief would love. And you remember in the in the first season he wasn't around too much. No, and he's not in this episode at all. Mm-mm. So they, they're sending her to a CT and she says she'll only go to the CT if Alex goes with her because Burke goes to assign someone else to the case because mm-hmm. um, she's got a crush on Alex. And there's a lot in this episode about people talking about how pretty Alex's face is. Mm-hmm. And I remember not finding him that attractive back then. I know. I think he definitely grows to be more attractive in my eyes over the years. He looks very little boyish. He looks really young or something. Is that just because we're older now? No, we both still thought Viper was attractive. But I know what you mean. I never thought he was that, like, handsome. Really glad there's no puka shell. So he takes her to the OR. Uh, the he takes her to get a CT. They head on down to the CT. And there's several things that bother me about the CT. Have, have, have you ever had a CT or an MRI? Only on, like, my legs. So you don't go, I didn't go in anything. Do you know what I mean? Yes. But you know how loud they are. And they never – so when you go into a, a CT or an MRI, they give you these giant sound-canceling headphones and play you, like, Van Morrison Radio on Spotify. They never do that in the show. And, of course, everyone freaks out. Anyhow, you can wipe all that. It's all besides this point. It's just me being pedantic. So Alex pops in and is really, really sweet and lovely to her, saying, I'll be right here if you need anything. Just press the little button. I'm on the intercom. Mm-hmm. And then he goes around to the the CT tech and starts – and the CT tech is lovely. He also makes a little mention that the batteries in his – I don't know what they're called. What pager. are they called? The batteries in his page. He it's makes a, a little thing saying, I've got to change the batteries. That's just important. It's a tiny little offhanded comment. That's how they start chatting because it's like, oh, do you have a spare battery? Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the CT operator is lovely. He's like, oh, this poor woman, she must be in so much pain and so uncomfortable. And then Alex just balls in with the, I don't know how she lives with herself. She is disgusting. See, he, obviously Alex is definitely in the wrong. And this is an awful realization that he's been really nice to his patient to her face. And then he's being really awful to her when he thinks she can't hear. But I want to believe that Alex is really putting this on a bit thick to kind of show off for the technician this is the toxic masculinity thing. This is the I want to be all bro I don't want to admit that I get along with this patient and they're a nice person. I don't want to admit to having, you know, like any sort of nice feelings. That's what I want to believe, that Alex is extra awful because there's a guy next to him. That's what you want to believe, but how many times have we had a bad customer who we walk up to like, thank you so much for coming in. It's been an absolute pleasure serving you this evening. And then I've turned around to you or you've turned around to me and been like, those people were the most unpleasant fucking humans in my life. God, I haven't worked in hospitality in so long, but yes. Alex is off in the CT and all the rest of the interns are being uh, told by Bailey what's going to happen today. So this surgery is apparently going to take all of the residents and attendings off the floor. So it's going to be up to them to look after the rest of the patients. Um, So they're all 
a little bit excited but a little bit terrified and Christina actually runs off to Burke and asks Burke for in on the surgery. So he sends her to get the family history but it seemed very much to me as if he's sort of – because he turns around and says – He's like, oh, do you want to speak now? He's favouring her. She's doing exactly what she's been telling Meredith off for and accusing Meredith of, which is getting favours from the attending that she's sleeping with. And Christina just blatantly does it. But he turns around and says, oh, so you want to talk to me now? And it just, it made me very twitchy and made me feel like Burke is bargaining surgeries for a relationship. Like, oh, if I give you surgeries, are you going to love me? Mm. And it was just very manipulative. Yeah, definitely. I think Burke has very a lot manipulative. Of, yeah. Um. So she runs off to get the family history, and again is really, really cold and unempathetic towards her patient's mother that she's getting the history from. Yeah, and she kind of accuses the mum, and really puts it on the mum that why hasn't she come to the doctors? Why hasn't she seen anyone? Why has it taken her so long? to get the tumour looked at. The correct thing would have been to call a year ago. And I know that we see Christina as not, you know, she's not a warm, fuzzy character, but and she just had a huge lesson a few episodes ago with the um, asking the wife for the organ donation for that patient, and she kind of got told. It's part of your job to be empathetic towards patients. Yeah, so it's weird that she hasn't kind of learnt anything and she comes straight into this conversation pretty accusatory and no empathy. I feel like we should have got some sort of reason why she's acting like this. I mean, potentially it's because she's tired or I don't know. Nah, there was no sort of explanation. It was annoying. Yeah, you'd you'd think by – because what, out of the last six episodes, five of them have been trying to teach Christina to treat other people with respect, not just empathy but respect. She's still not even giving an inch. It's still just – Default, one-dimensional, I'm a bitch, deal with it. It's fine if that's how that conversation ended, but it would have been really nice to see Christina approaching that conversation and starting that conversation a little bit kinder. And then, yeah, maybe she can. She could have flipped into her kind of her real Christina ways, but it would have been nice to see some of the teachings rub off on her a little bit and actually see it in that moment. Um, she takes the information that she's gained to Burke and Derek, who are being – very childish about who gets to go first. Yeah, and it Bailey's, feels like such a dick-swinging competition. Oh, it totally is. And Bailey's just in there like, you're my bosses, I'm not going to say anything. But, like, mm-hmm. just, she's obviously just so bored at the conversation. But it was it was really strange for Bailey's character talking about um, Annie and saying – or why are we even doing this surgery? Like, even if we do get rid of it, she's got the same life expectancy, and why would you wait this long unless you actually want to die? I feel like the writing on that is really weird too. It really stands out. It doesn't seem like we've had enough information about Bailey or we've got to know her enough for that comment to make sense. Like, we understand that she's angry at Derek, but... Taking mm. that out on your opinions of a patient is quite bizarre. Really bizarre. Like that she wants to die. It's really strange to me. I feel like that comment needs a bit more context or we need to know what's happening in Bailey's life or something to make that made her get into that mindset to make that make sense. 
Um, Izzy is going through all of the post-op patients and we meet uh, Miss Jimmy Harper, Mr. Harper. He's just had a coronary bypass. Izzy's looking at his uh, x-ray and speaks to his wife and says, look, everything's fine. And it was very odd interjection. So we meet him very briefly and then we, all of our interns, walk into the room and meet Mr. Lavangi. And Mr. Lavangi. We do have to kind of point out that when Izzy is talking to the wife of mm-hmm. Mr. Harper, she does say that he's fine, everything's going to be fine. Yep. And she's pretty rushed already at this point, even though we haven't we haven't kind of gotten to the crescendo of what Izzy's actually doing down there and how much he has to do. You can already see from this moment that she's in quite a hurry. She throws some scans up on a board for half a second, pulls them back down again and kind of rushes away. It's nice to see her so confident, though. Yeah, it's great. Well, yeah, she's rushing because we've got to go in and see Mr. Lavangi, who I really like in this episode here. He's got quite severe Parkinson's, um, and Derek introduces Mm -hmm. him by saying that he's coming in for treatment for his dyskinesia, which I believe is the shaking related to Parmesan's disease. No, he's coming for pain relief. Oh, you totally missed that. Parmesan's disease. Um. He's come in for pain relief. Yeah, and he says, welcome to hell, kids. Um, And I I, I quite like that. But, um, yeah, Derek says, what would we recommend for treatment for his dyskinesia? And Izzy pops up and she's like, oh, for Parkinson's? He's like, no, he wants treatment for his spinal pain. Um, But Gray comes up with the answer. Yeah, she's not called upon and she quickly, while Izzy is rushing to find her notes, Meredith pops in with the exact right treatment exact right diagnosis and she says it very confidently and an interspinal catheter that would generally be rewarded by the attending saying great you know what you're doing you can scrub in which is what happens but bailey's in the room and she just does a bit of a death stare and pulls derek up for favoring meredith again which is totally uncalled for meredith did the right thing yeah and she stares him down in that elevator. Mm-hmm. She starts talking and he tries to immediately diminish her by calling her Miranda. Yeah. And she's like, excuse me, I am Dr. Bailey. And comes out with this amazing line of, you think you're charming in that neurotic, overly moosed hair kind of way. You think you're charming in that talented, neurotic, overly moosed hair sort of way. Good for you. But if you think I'm going to stand back and watch while you favor her. I don't favor her. She's good. It's so good. (laughs) That little monologue that she does. And it's so Bailey. I feel like that's such a Bailey line. It's such Bailey dialogue. I can't explain it any other way. But it's so consistent with her character. But he knows she's right because he pulls the boss card. Which you wouldn't have to say. You wouldn't have to say, oh, I am your boss. He knows that she's right. You know you're speaking to your boss right now. Just like if I see you favoring. But also he wasn't favoring her just then. She did, if any of them had done what she had done, that's the response. You got the thing right, you're scrubbing yeah. in. And Grey was the only one. She to- was the only one. Correct. So I think it is really unfair because I it's not favoring. She's actually good. And then Bailey threatens him back. He pulls the boss card and Bailey just holds the elevator door open and lets him know she isn't scared if she notices him favoring Mm. Meredith anymore. She'll make Meredith's life hell. Yeah, and make sure she can't visit the OR for a month, which considering Meredith is currently on a one-month probation. Oh, yeah. 
from the last episode. Yeah, it's not much of a that threat. That was the repercussions. She's on a one-month probation. So Meredith is actually left in the room with the patient. Well, she has a chat to his daughter, and the poor thing is about to get married, and she really wants her dad to walk her down the aisle, mm-hmm. but he won't get this surgery that could potentially actually help the symptoms of shaking from his Parkinson's, which could mean he could walk again. And control his hands as well. And control the shaking. And the, the treatment is a deep brain stimulation, which... To be honest, sounds like the most nerve-wracking surgery of all time. Here, play with my brain while I'm awake. A lot can go wrong. It's that last-minute thing again. Her marriage is coming up. She's obviously been asking him to do this for a while. If he's going to do it, he has to do it now. Otherwise, this could progress to be so much worse and then he wouldn't be a candidate for this surgery anymore. Mm. So the time is now. So Meredith actually takes this concept to Derek. So right after Derek and Bailey have had this conversation, Meredith runs into Derek, well, waits for Derek in the corridor, kind of pounces on him and says he's a candidate or is he a candidate for deep brain stimulation? I think we should do it. And Bailey is watching this conversation again and Derek just completely dresses Meredith down. He's so rude to her. She's literally just asking a question. She's just doing her job and she's just- Oh, it's awful. Furthering her- Education, you're supposed to ask questions. Correct. And, yeah, it's it's really hyper-aggressive and really nasty. And it's all just there for Bailey's benefit. And you can see that she's not impressed either. I think no. it's worth talking to him again, pushing him. We're talking about a brain surgery. It was performed while the patient is wide awake. There's a risk of paralysis, a risk of death, and the patient doesn't want it. It is not my job to push him into anything, and it's definitely not yours. Okay. Since you're clearly uncomfortable with my decision in this case, it's probably best you don't scrub it. But it's a minor procedure. You won't be missed. She's, she's like, I can see what you're doing and how you're trying to cover it up, and I call bullshit. Which is ridiculous because he wasn't favoring Meredith this episode anyway. No. Meredith deserved to be rewarded mm-hmm. for having the correct knowledge. Anyway, this drives me crazy. Yeah. This she's whole- treated so unfairly in this episode for absolutely no reason. So then we go back into our tumour patient mm-hmm. who is about to go in for surgery and she says, I don't want Alex in the room, which is so interesting because only a few episodes ago we had this conversation when Izzy's patient, who had seen her in the magazine, says, I don't want her in the room. Mm-hmm. And Bailey kicks up a thing about it and is like, no, 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 you have to be in the room, you're a doctor. But this is a really good example of what we were trying to say, that it's the patient's choice. Correct. The patient is allowed to dictate who's in their surgery, doesn't want Alex, and it's just Alex is removed straight away, no questions asked. And you see the mother sort of, well, Annie doesn't want the surgery. So the mum's there fussing and fussing and fussing, and she's like, mum, stop. And, and Burke's going through the risks of the surgery, and mum's like, she'll have it, I don't want it. She'll have it, I don't want it. And the only way that she'll do the surgery is if Alex is not involved. Mm. And he's like, why, though? And she just says, because that's how I live with myself. Mm. And he suddenly realizes that she heard everything that he was saying. Um, and Burke is rightfully furious with Alex when they walk yeah. out of the room. He's like, we're about to do an incredibly dangerous surgery and your patients are 60% more likely to sue you if you've offended them and you have definitely offended them. Yeah, that's such an interesting statistic and it does make so much sense because i guess there's so many lawsuits in america people are suing each other left right and center it makes sense with the cost of the medical care if you can get someone else to take the grunt of it then excellent so the polar opposite of alex 
gets assigned George. to Annie's case. And then Alex is assigned to go and help out. Izzy and Alex are in charge of all the post-op patients. Uh, so George pops in and starts preparing her for uh, surgery and finally sh- is the first person to actually show her honest kindness. And he actually says, why did you let it get so bad? Which is kind of a scary question to ask. I would feel like that. I would feel nervous asking someone that because I wouldn't want to sound rude, but I guess he's already building this rapport and he's being just genuine and sincere with her. He's not, he's not asking for any malicious reasons. He's not not accusatory. And she says, this is the first time someone has asked me that. She explains that every time she goes to hospital, someone dies. It was like four grandparents, her father, her sister, her best friend's mum. They all went in and never came out. And I'm like, yep, I wouldn't go to hospital. Oh, I'm glad you explained that because I thought, I thought what she meant was every time she goes into hospital, someone she knows dies, which is like a storyline oh. <laughs> from Friends, how Phoebe won't go to the dentist because every time she goes to the dentist, someone dies. <laughs> I just watched that episode last night. <laughs> I thought that's what this was. And I was like, this is weird. But it's every time she knows someone who gets admitted to hospital, they don't come back. That Correct. makes more sense in the Grey's universe okay and the way that george tries to empathize with her oh my god george stop telling patients about your crush on meredith i know it's like he thinks it's the biggest thing in the world which i understand i understand that feeling when you have like an intense crush on someone you can't stop thinking about it but no man you're 26 years old you are not a teenager anymore get your shit together He does act like such a teenager, such a baby. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, he equates not going to the doctor and having a huge tumour with, like, just not asking Meredith out. And it's so cringy. She comes back at him with, um, seriously, question mark. Seriously. Seriously. Which is the first time that seriously, seriously is used. The first one. And she just says, just flatline, it's, it's amazing. You're equating your pathetic love life to my record-breaking tumour? Seriously? So good. And and he's just put in his box because uh, they, they eat again in this episode. There's a scene when they're all sitting around uh, having their lunch break. And look at them. Look at the little cuties. Mm-hmm. I miss seeing all of these guys together. And everyone's like... And Alex sits with them. And everyone's like, Alex, nice. why are you sitting here? Basically, a lot of this episode revolves around everyone knowing that George is madly in love with Meredith and this conversation he's just had has made him go all right sweet I'm gonna ask her out and it's just it's so bumbling Mm. he's a bumblebutt that was one of the worst attempts at asking someone for drinks I've ever seen and rightly so they all laugh at him which he deserves Mm -hmm. he absolutely deserves and Meredith just has no idea it's really nice seeing Alex sitting with them he really is becoming a part of their little group now even though he's still not in their class, like their intern class with Bailey, he is getting in there and mm-hmm. becoming part of the little gang. Um, so Alex has been kicked off Annie's case. So George and Christina get uh, given permission to go into the surgery. And they're very, very excited until they walk into the scrub room. <laughs> Bailey asks them if they're fit and tells them what they're going to be doing. Oh. Yeah. When we see these two in the surgery, they've literally just been holding up 
this extremely heavy, huge tumor. And there's a comment at one point a bit later where they say they've been holding it up for eight hours. Mm -hmm. Eight hours. That is so dangerous. It's not only dangerous for their bodies and their backs, it's really dangerous for the patient because have you ever tried just holding your arms up in the air, even with nothing, for an extended period of time? Yep. It's exhausting. And you do see it because George, he falls asleep really briefly. Oh, I thought he had an itch or something. Oh, he has an itch. But yeah, he even just the slightest move from them could cause like someone to slip their scalpel or nick something they're not supposed to nick or drop something. Their job is so extremely important and so extremely hard. I think that should really change. That should it should be illegal for them to do that for that long. You know, if you're doing an activity, so if you're actually doing the surgery, you're moving and you're focused on doing something. But if you're just holding something up, it's going to be so incredibly hard to keep still. Correct. They should be swapping in and out. There should be other people. Two hours on, two hours off. Two hours on, two hours off. It's literally a torture practice. Ooh. No, that's all right. Yeah, so we forgot to actually mention how Christina got her in on this surgery. She comes in just after Burke has finished scolding Alex with George in tow for his treatment of a patient. Christina comes up to him about the medical history and is blatantly disrespectful about this family's choices in not coming to the hospital. Burke assigns her onto the case. Alex, rightly so, says, wait, why does she get to be on the case for exhibiting the exact same behavior that I have, a behavior that she exhibits constantly with patients? Yeah. So this episode's really focused on Bailey thinking that Derek Ooh. is showing favoritism and just no one has noticed that Burke is, and I, I don't think, I think you're right. I don't think Derek has ever showed favoritism towards Mayor, but no. Burke from the offset is using his power. I think Derek is, is a lot power. more professional in that way. Yeah. Definitely. Burke is and this is such a good example of he's giving this surgery to his girlfriend mm-hmm. slash the girl he's sleeping with. That's exactly what's happening. But because no one knows that they're sleeping together, it's like it kind of goes unnoticed. Because I think if Bailey hadn't seen Derek and Meredith, it wouldn't have even been an issue. She wouldn't have noticed it. Everything would have been fine. But, yeah, she's so laser-focused on Derek's behaviour now Mm -hmm. that there's kind of no throwing her off it. You know when you get so fixated that something's happening that you read into it, probably things that aren't there? Yes. Because you're hyper aware of everything and you read into every movement, every every word said, every body language. You're almost putting your beliefs on someone else's actions, even if it's not real. I feel like that's kind of what Bailey's doing. You remember when we were single and you'd be texting with a boy and you would show the messages to all of your friends and decipher them when what he really meant was, no, I can't tonight, I have plans. And we all just went crazy about it. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. it's very that same mindset that you see what you want to see and you dissect something until it forms the shape that you see in your head. Correct. So um, Izzy is officially running around after all of the the post-op patients, and she speaks to Mrs. Harper again. And there's a lot happening down there in the post-op area. There's so much going on, and she can't seem to get a hold of Alex because he hasn't changed the battery of his pager because he put it off. Mm -hmm. 
He procrastinated. He didn't do the thing straight away. And it is affecting a lot of people. There is a very funny moment when they first like walk into the post-op floor and it's, it's Izzy and Alex and Alex is talking about how he's going to run this floor and everything's great. And a, a, a person in a gurney mm-hmm. just immediately vomits all down the front of him. And Izzy's like, you're my favorite patient today. Doesn't offer the yeah. person any assistance or mouthwash. Yeah. A patient just vomits in the hallway and they just walk straight on. Just walk away. That is pretty funny. So Alex goes to get changed and sexually harasses mm. another intern in the change rooms. Um, and Izzy is left running around, but she jumps into Mrs. Harper again. And Mrs. Harper is the wife of our patient who just had the coronary bypass. And Mrs. Harper's really struggling. Um, mm. And so is Izzy. But she, she tells us that Mr. Harper was fine. He was just making pancakes and then he was on the floor. And this is normally where Izzy, our, our quintessential soft heart, would be listening. And she would let this woman finish her story and probably in that story would pick up on maybe something like a vital bit of information that she might need later down the track. But it's cut short and we don't get to hear it. Because she's being called in a thousand different directions by that nurse. He has been in almost every episode. Yeah, he has. Why don't we know his name? He comes up all the time. Yeah, I don't know. Because he is running the floor. I will. I want to give mad props to all of the nursing staff all across the world today because we see it. It is evident in this episode and, and in all of my experiences in hospitals that nurses know what the fuck is going on because these nurses are so kind to Izzy. Obviously, Alex has disappeared. No one can get a hold of him. And they, they help her so much to get through everything as an intern. And I also think that we that. are seeing little glimmers of Izzy having a bit of a crush on Alex. As much as he's being a dick, she does their little moments together. Sorry, I've gone back a little bit. But their little moments together are really cute. And the way she kind of looks at him and smiles at him. And she, at the very start of the episode, after they see Alex being really nice, um, to Annie, she makes a comment about how not, it's something like, did you see how sincere Alex was being with that patient or something? And she gets a little bit blushy. It's tiny and it's small, but it's little flicks. And I'm just throwing it out there because mm-hmm. I want to make note. But yes, now he's pissing her off because he's not answering these pages and Izzy is fucking busy. And there's so much going on down there. <laughs> there's so much. She's She's running from patient to patient. The nurses are like, all right, you need to go to 318 and check an x-ray. 321 needs bandages changes and we need this and we need this. And she's just screaming to Paige Alex, who is just casually sitting in the gallery of the tumor removal surgery, mocking George Mm -hmm. and taking bets on whether or not he'll drop Mm -hmm. the tumor. I also think it's weird if you're assigned to do the job that Alex is supposed to do, you'd think... Even if everything was fine, you'd just do a little lap every now and again. You'd just be like, I'm just going to check. I'm just going to walk down mm-hmm. there. Just make, you know, see with your own eyes that everything's fine. But he doesn't. Like, you've gotten changed. Why haven't you gone back to the post-op floor? Why have you gone directly into this surgery? You just, like, do a lap. Also, I do want to mm-hmm. also believe that a part of it is, and I and we know it is because we see it later, is that Alex does care about this patient. So Annie was his patient originally. He is yeah. looking to have a to check on how she's going. And yes, he's very annoyed that George is in there and not him. So he's being pretty rude to George. 
Because he's jealous. Well, Christine is the one who took his place, so I don't know why he's mad at George. He's always mad at George. He's always think, mad at George. I think he believes that he is a better surgeon than George, but he knows mm-hmm. he's not a better surgeon than Christina. Correct. <laughs> so just before they do head into Annie's surgery, because Derek is supposed to be in there, Derek pages Meredith, even though he's just thrown her off the case, um, he's paged to Mr. Levangie's room, where Derek again... She's standing in the doorway, and he again offers Mr. Lavangi the surgery. And Mr. Lavangi basically just yells and screams and is like, when will you stop harassing me about this? Are you going to wait until I'm dead? Why can't you just leave an old man in peace? And it's, it's kind of like Derek was either assuming that Meredith was going to again overstep boundaries or if he wanted to prove to her that he was right. Um, and it's it's a very odd scene, but his uh, Mr. Lavangi's daughter gets quite upset and again asks him to perform the surgery. And she goes storming out and he turns to Grey and is like, why, what can I do to get through to her? This is my life. I want to live it how I want to live it. And she sits there and thinks about it for a minute and you can tell she's reflecting on her mother's situation. And she says, it is your life. But it's her life too, and you have a chance to get better, and all she is asking you to do is try. Yeah. But in saying that, it's it's brain surgery. Um, terrifying. Everything can go wrong in an instant, like a micromillimeter, and you're done. So Gray comes in just before they're about to operate on Annie and says, Derek, Miss Lavangie will, will do the, the surgery, but only if it happens today. Today. Mm-hmm. So he's not putting it off. And I quite like Mr. Lavangie's entire surgery. It's very sweet. A little bit sexist, but very sweet. Oh, I cry. I cry every time. And so Derek's behind him and he has to be awake during this surgery. And Gray's standing there and he's like, she's like, I'm here. I'm here, Mr. Lavangie. And he's like, I'm shaky. I'm not blind. (laughs) He's really funny. He is really funny. And then Derek says, just look at the pretty girl. Mm. To which Lavangie's response is, aren't you a student? Shouldn't you be looking at my brain? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love Mr. Lavangie. But anyway, Meredith is doing a really kind thing for the patient. But yeah, she should be watching. They could have got someone else to stand there. Yeah. He gets very frustrated because he's supposed to be copying these yeah. little hand movements, which he can't do with Parkinson's, as the probe is probing around his brain. And then eventually he can do it. And this acting is so brilliant. He is so shocked and amazed. And even the way he starts doing it faster and faster because he's excited that he can do it. Oh, crying. I cry in this bit. Oh, just bawling. Every time. He's just so relieved. And, and, and then it's just another moment of wild inappropriateness that we see them. Surgery's finished and they're walking down the hallway. And Meredith and Derek start talking about the way that Meredith has been treated in this episode Mm. because when she pops in and tells Derek about the surgery, Bailey's there and Bailey is pissed because Meredith is still involved with this patient. But they're, so they're walking down the hallway and Meredith begs him to stop giving her favors. Um, Cause he's like, I thought I was, I was, I was helping you out and she doesn't want them, but she also stands up for herself and says, I do not deserve to be treated like shit when I don't deserve it, when I haven't done anything. Yeah. So which you can't is do me also, favors when I don't deserve it. Exactly, which is also 
is just as unprofessional as giving her favours. Like the way Derek's behaving to try and fix what Bailey thinks he's doing is making it so much worse. He's trying to protect her from Bailey. But the thing that really shocked me was by the time they get to the elevator and Derek buggers off, the patient turns around and says, if you don't marry him, I will. And I'm just like, wait, you were having that conversation in front of Mm. a conscious patient? so inappropriate. Yeah, but it would be so fun to be a patient at this hospital and get all this gossip because they're constantly gossiping in front of patients. Oh, yeah, I'd be so here for it. Makes this hospital so magic. I love gossiping with nurses. We also just need to mention that Meredith has a little scene with Bailey in the scrub room where she tries to explain to Bailey that she didn't know Derek when they slept together the first time. She's like, I didn't know who was my boss. Tries defending it. trying to defend it. She's trying to patch things up because she knows Bailey isn't talking to her. And Bailey says such another brilliant Bailey line. She's like, I don't care when you met him. I just care how you sleeping with my boss affects my day. Because us standing here having a conversation about my boss's love life is affecting my day. Which is so fair. It's... Which is so fair, it makes so much sense. This is the problem with you sleeping with my boss. Not whether or not you knew him before, but how it affects my day. And me standing here talking to you about your sex life affects my day. Mm -hmm. I feel like we talk a lot about mental health and setting boundaries in in context to this TV show. But it's I, I feel like the terms mental health and setting boundaries are really only things that society's been discussing within the last two years. COVID's really brought that all on. But Bailey's been doing it from the get-go. She's like, hey, boss, I'm uncomfortable with your dalliances. Hey, subordinate, I am uncomfortable about hearing about your balances. This woman has known how to set her boundaries and be firm on them, and she is called a Nazi because of it. That's not okay. No, it's not, and she's really just putting in place boundaries. I can't think of another word now. To make her better at her job, to make Mm -hmm. others around her better at their jobs, and just to make work better. Hold everyone accountable for being professional. Yeah, perfect way to put it. Even though what she said, even though I still believe that what she did in regards to Derek favoring Meredith in the scene that we saw was not okay. Agreed. Strong agree. She's trying. Yeah. So they've just finished that. Derek pops back into the surgery to help Burke, and Izzy is having just the worst time. In the world, she is all alone, all by herself. And Mr. Harper just starts coding. Yeah, out of nowhere. This one patient that she thought was going to be fine. And the, the they're trying to help. They're trying to help. And this lovely nurse says to Izzy, like, you, you have to open him up. You've got to remove the stitches first and then remove the staples. Be careful. Don't to let them. And she talks her through this whole procedure. As we've said before, nurses know exactly what's going on. They know so much and they're treated so shit mm-hmm. by the doctors in there. Yep. From, from episode one. Yep. It's like the nurses know more than you listen to them yeah to be an enrolled nurse you've got to go through six years of study like it's it's not light and and izzy's freaking out because she's she's never operated on a chest before she's never operated by herself she's, she's never opened she's never chest. cracked a chest yeah and they're dressing her up and this this nurse is so kind and says take a deep breath dr stevens izzy please you've got this you're gonna be fine i'm here to guide you and guide her she does so lovely um, yeah, she does, and cuts him open. Does and it? She's got to crack his chest, and she's trying to get this blood clot out. I'm so 
proud of Izzy this episode. I really love Izzy. Reaching her hand in the chest cavity and pulling out globs of goop. And just pulling and throwing it on the floor. (laughs) Keeping it on the floor. Um, So she does this, she takes a breath, and she goes into the tumor surgery to tell Dr. Burke. She goes in and she's like, Dr. Burke, I had to crack a chest open. Like on the table, not Nanoa. And she's kind of, she's so, she's still so kind of flustered. Oh, the adrenaline. You see all these emotions, the adrenaline, the anger at Alex for not being there, the fact that she had to do this at all and she's an intern mm-hmm. and there was no one there. Because she was saying like even if they couldn't page Alex, she's like page anyone, just yep. page Page anyone, but someone. Everyone's in surgery. Oh, and that's the thing. She has to do a cardiac massage on him. She had to, like, oh. squeeze his heart back to beating. That is so much responsibility. Yeah, so much. And I think we forget – well, I definitely forgot about this. You forget how good Izzy is mm-hmm. because she's so overshadowed by the kind of bossy, shark, independent, no-feeling natures of, like, a Christina and then also a Meredith. She's so overshadowed by them on what they do in surgery and the way they talk about their surgeries. But, I mean, she holds a heart, I guess, in this way. She massages a heart before Christina does. Mm-hmm. Without any help and without a face mask. Like, they've got them all kitted out, but I, I really feel like they could have put on a mask. Totally. No time. I'm just so used to masks. And then she storms into this surgery um, and she's like, I cracked a chest open. And in pure, like, comedic... Turns to the door. Even Alex in the gallery, he's like, What fuck? And Alex comes running down and is angry at Izzy for not involving him. And it's like, bitch, you've been sitting up there for what, three hours watching a surgery? And he realizes that he didn't put the batteries in. And that's his excuse. And he's like, I did it. And she. Oh, because she. It's such a great scene. And the way it's directed that she starts screaming, she throws the pager on the ground, and then the camera goes back into the surgery and you see them working on the tumor. But in the background, you see them fighting and screaming, and she's jumping up and down on his page. It's so beautifully shot. You're a hateful, hateful, lazy, arrogant bastard. It's so good. And it's just the fact that they stop this legendary surgery to be like, oh, that is some gossip. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Pacing and and Doja says, never a dull moment at Seattle Grace. Yeah. So he lets Burke – so Derek has actually only just popped back into the surgery. He's only been in there for about 10 minutes, is getting the lay of the, the tumor land, um, and Burke obviously has to run away and go help Izzy and check on the patient. Yeah. Um, and the second they kind of all leave the room, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, so the editing in this episode is so good. They keep doing these little crescendos of scenes of the pacing and the cuts get faster and faster, and it always leads to some sort of climax. And we've been seeing that even that really tiny scene of Alex and Izzy walking down the corridor, they do a little bit of it and then it ends with the the throwing up and then the pace sort of comes to a stop. And then here oh, well, after we see it again. Izzy, after Izzy yells yeah, it. Yeah, the pace really starts up again. The editing gets really fast. The music gets louder as everything starts going wrong in this surgery. And the beep, beep, beeps are happening and – you see Alex realise that he needs to stop. Trying to redeem redeeming himself. himself. And it's, it goes back to that don't don't wait, mm-hmm. do things now, and he goes 
I'm going to go get this blood. And you see him sprinting down the corridor and the editing is kind of chops between him running and them doing surgery. He gets the blood from a nurse. The blood was coming anyway, but he just wants it faster, which is, it's great. He wants to be responsible for saving the patient. He wants to be able to help, but also she's just, this nurse is just casually strolling this blood and he grabs it, runs. Correct. And everything's going wrong. And then you see her flatline. And just as Alex enters the room, she's gone. The music goes off. Time of death. 11.42. Everyone's walking out and it's just this really silent, beautiful moment after s- such a crescendo of editing and music and sound and pacing. It's just silent. Everything's like an out-breath, you know, and it's just Alex holding the blood, standing in there with this patient that for the first time he had a rapport with. Even if it was fake, he was trying to... Be nice to her. And I do think deep down, I think this is when we realise it in this moment, that he did like her. They did have a rapport. And he is upset about what he said and that he offended her. I think you were right at the beginning. And then we get our lovely, like, wrap-up montage of each character. Um, Christina's in an on-call room stretching, and Bert comes in and mentions that he did her a favour, so she owes him something. And she's like, you did me a favour? I held that tumour for 12 hours. My back is screwed. My legs are sore. I might not recover from this. Um, And he just harps on about needing to define their relationship. And it, it really is manipulative. Like he even mentions that he only gave her that so that she would talk to him. And she's like, you need a definition. Are you really that guy? And she's sitting on the bed at this point, and he tells her to get up, walk past him, and lock the door. And I just... I know. I don't like that either. It's like he's standing against the door, and he tells her to lock the door. But, I mean, I think it's just... Even though it's clunky in visually in terms of the direction, the dialogue is good. I like that he says lock the door. Yeah. Because, I mean, we talked about that so much in the last episode about what that means. Mm-hmm. That's a bit of sexual innuendo. Yep. But I think because because Annie has died, you see all these characters, they do kind of seize the day in the end or they learn to seize the day, I guess, is the idea yep. about this, is that Annie put this tumour off for so long and she shouldn't have because it caused yep. her to die in the end. It was too big and it was going to be a hard surgery and she shouldn't have put it off for so long. But he also helps uh, Izzy close up Jimmy, saying it was a messy job and Izzy gets very uncomfortable and apologises, but he tells her not to be because she saved his life. saved his life because she seized the day and she jumped in and she saved the patient without hesitating. I mean, she was nervous to do it and she had help, but... She got the job done. If she'd left it, she got the job done. If she'd left it, he would have died. Meredith helps uh, Edward walk towards his daughter, so that's that's another, like seizing the day, closure moment, they all have a big smile. She wasted no time by being like, he needs to get this done, he'll only do it if it's today, and she kind of helped make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex. I cry again in that moment when he's walking and the daughter. It's very sweet. Beautiful story. George is again Mm -hmm. harping on about asking out Meredith, and Alex just shuts him down and is like, Meredith's off the market, because he tried to ask her out earlier in the episode. She's Mm -hmm. like, are you always this callous? towards everyone and he's like i don't know do you want to go out for a yeah. beer and i'll tell you all my deep dark secrets 
Um, so yeah, Alex tells George that Meredith is off the market and George is like, that's impossible. I live with her. I would know. And we see him again fumbling yeah. to bring two bloody beers to her bedroom and she is not home. Yeah. So he, I guess, seizes the day in that, well, he tries to by actually opening the bedroom door, which he couldn't do at the start of the episode. Mm-hmm. But Meredith isn't there. She's uh, she's standing in the rain. Yes. And she is seizing the day with Derek because she's actually going, they're actually going to go on a little date. She has a bottle of wine and she knows a spot where they can watch the sunrise over the ferry boats. I love ferry boats. Oh, sorry. I have a thing for ferry boats. Mm-hmm. I remember. I think that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> And it all gets wrapped up really nicely. I really like this episode. I like all of our characters. I think it's really well written. I think it's like, I mean, actually, no, I take that back. I think there are elements of the writing that are very clunky for our characters. Like we've already discussed it, but some things that Bailey says that don't make sense and the way. I don't think they make sense, but I do think they serve a purpose. They definitely serve a purpose, but I would have liked a little bit more context about why they said that because I feel like we normally understand exactly where the characters are coming from when they say things we're like oh, do you think okay, that's she's doing that because of this she's saying that because do you think of that's that. us though but we know these characters so well and we've seen how they've developed over the last 18 years so do you think that that's us mm. n- not coming into this with fresh eyes because Bailey's Bailey's position on this patient was very startling to both of us because we know how kind Bailey is. But remember when you first watched season one, Mm. you were like, Bailey is the hardest of hard asses. So maybe it isn't that out of character for her right now. Yeah, potentially. It is so weird that we don't see Weber in this episode at all. Yeah, I think that was a really nice wrap up. I think we covered, I think we covered everything. Thank you all so much for listening. And if you want to procrastinate the day away, that's cute. Watch some Grey's Anatomy. I have a lot to do today, so I'm going to try my hardest to seize the day today because I have a lot to do. Come find us on social media at Scalpels and Tequila Podcast. Thank you so much. We'll be in your ears next week. Bye. Bye. Sing it. Bye. 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 Bye.